With sports car racing news and analysis from around the globe, this is the Double Stint Podcast. Here's John DeGeese and Dan Lloyd. Welcome into another episode of Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast. I'm John Geese, joined again by Daniel Lloyd in the UK. How's it going, Dan? Very well, thanks, John. Yeah, it's uh, another Asian Le Mans focus show here, but lots of news to cover as well. It seems strange that we'd be doing a season review after last week we did a half-season review. But yeah, lo- loads to run through. Le Mans auto invites, everything, uh, everything up for grabs. Yeah, it's been a, a busy week. As Dan alluded to, the final two rounds of the Asian Le Mans series were held last weekend in Abu Dhabi at Yas Marina Circuit. We'll be recapping that, plus going over the news of the week and answering some of your questions. Uh, first off, let's let's get right into it with um, Yas Marina hosting the final two rounds of the 2021 Asian Le Mans series, or 2020-2021. I don't know how they're exactly categorizing it this season. But um, while Joda Sport swept the weekend, the big news was G-Drive winning the championship for the second consecutive season. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was uh, non-stop, really, for the, for the guys and girls out in the United Arab Emirates. So if you recall last weekend... Uh, sorry, the weekend before last, we had two four-hour races at the Dubai Autodrome on the Saturday and Sunday. Fast forward and then a quick truck journey over to Abu Dhabi and the East Marina Circuit. We had a further two races last weekend, one on Friday and one on Saturday. And with that 16 hours of racing, the uh, Asian Le Mans Series champions were decided um, in all but one of the categories, which we'll get to in a minute in our discussion. But um, yeah, no, uh, as you said, John, it, it's been a... Uh, an interesting season 2021 I think we're calling it now um, seeing as all the races happened in 21 although official documents state 20 slash 21 who knows whatever happens this was the season in which G-Drive Racing's number 26 crew won the title uh, Yifiye, Ferdinand Habsburg and Rene Binder uh, won the championship despite not winning either of the races at Yas Marina both of those went to Sean Galeo and Tom Blancvist from the Jota team um, in the end, it turned out to be quite close in the championship standings, just uh, just a handful of points separating those two crews. Blomqvist wasn't uh, there for the Dubai race. He was uh, replaced by Stoffel van Dorn for the opening two races. So Galeel was the main point scorer for Jota. Um, that said, though, it, it, it turned out to be pretty close. Um, the, the Jota guys put on a great display after a tough uh, performance out in Dubai. There was a couple of incidents each of the races. They, they finished sixth. Um, in in the second race, which really seemed to set them back in the championship standings. But these two victories, um, pretty almost the maximum they could have done at Yas Marina. And as a result, they were in with the shot of the title. But um, in the end, it was really out of their hands because the G-Drive number 26 crew run by Algarve Pro Racing um, managed to put in a second place and a fourth place finish. Consistent runs. They, they really haven't encountered any trouble over the course of these four races, apart from the odd penalty. Um, and in the end, worthy champions, I think it, it was uh, it was a great, great season. It ended in a great way that I would say the fourth race of the four um, Saturday's encounter was the best of the LMP2 contest. We had several leaders, um, the, the number 25 G drive getting involved, the Phoenix racing car in there with the battles. It was it was a, a really good show in the end. Two wins for Jota. Not quite enough in the championship, but certainly encouraging for that team as it heads into the FIA World Endurance Championship season. Absolutely. And and we had um, LMP3 champions crowned as well and, and LMP2AM. Uh, talk a little bit about those. Yeah, so uh, as you said, three categories on offer and all three produced 
very good racing, I must say. And in, in LMP3, it all went down to United Autosports. Um, the, that team now currently holds titles in the WEC, the European Le Mans series and the Asian Le Mans series. So all three of the direct sort of Le Mans feeder championships, if you'd excuse IMSA, which which can carry entries to Le Mans. But United, in those ones that it's been involved in, has won titles in all of them, which is very impressive. Um, that was the United crew of Wayne Boyd, who is now a double reigning champion in uh, European Le Mans series and Asian Le Mans series, alongside Finnish bronze rated driver Rory Pentanen and Manuel Maldonado, who is the cousin of uh, former Dragon Speed LMP2 driver Pastor Maldonado, a Daytona 24 winner. Um, uh, th- those guys were fantastic all season. And really, they were the standout in Dubai. Um, they managed to pick up another win in the second race at Abu Dhabi. But um, to, to be honest, there, there were a few questions going into that race about whether they'd win the title because they retired very early in race one with an alternator issue. United, in fact, lost two of its Ligiers early in that race due to mechanical problems. And uh, that, that was very uncharacteristic from the team that's had so much consistency and success. But they managed to pull the performance together in, in the second race, took the win. Um, as part of a 1-2-3 for United. So um, that team had a very strong showing, but there was good racing up and down LMP3, to be honest. Nielsen put on a great uh, uh, duel between its two cars at the end of race one, um, crossing the line mere seconds apart. It was was a fantastic uh, race for those guys. DKR, CD Sport also involved. And it was great to see a Ginetta out there as well from uh, ARC Bratislava getting some valuable mileage for that car. Um, so plenty going on in LMP3 and, and GT, is, is, as you said, John, that was also full of action. Um, 19 cars. Fantastic. You, you know, one, one of the one of the top GT grids that we've seen in, in, in recent times in the in the Asian Le Mans series. Um, machinery from all man, all sorts of manufacturers involved and at the sharp end. No shortage of drama. In the end, we uh, we don't actually know fully who's won the championship at the time of recording this uh, Monday afternoon in, in my UK time um, because of a, a, a steward's call. But uh, either way, uh, we we've know, we know who the four Le Mans automatic invites go to, and it's four teams that have never been to Le Mans before in uh, Herbert Motorsport, GPX Racing, Rinaldi Racing and Optima Motorsport. So Intrigue all around. Uh, the Le Mans invites is a cool little touch there. So um, it, it really was an action-packed weekend. Lots of info, lots of news going on, lots of track time for the cars and teams. Yeah, it was it was great fun. So Herberth provisionally is the, the title winner in GT. Um, GPX has made an appeal. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what do we know right now? Yes, I can. So um, this sort of all happened on, on Saturday evening after the second race had finished. Um, Herbert finished fifth on the road. Uh, GPX Racing finished outside the points. So despite winning um, two of the races in the season, uh, GPX lost the championship to Herbert by one and a half points, I think it was in the end. But anyway, um, Herbert was told during that race to repair a door panel. So they, the team was running the 19, number 99 Porsche and, and one of the nines fell off. Um, so it was running around as the nine Porsche. Um, it, and what happened was there, there was some discussion on a messaging app um, that all of the teams and, and uh, stewards and series uh, officials use. Um, the, the, the officials declared that the panel was repaired on, on the public forum of this app when in fact it wasn't. And the car carried on with the number 99 not being repaired. Um, and it took the checkered flag in that damaged state. Now, GPX protested that because the panel hadn't been changed, 
it warranted a penalty and, and it lodged an appeal, um, which it was fully in its right to do because clearly the repair hadn't been made. Um, however, upon investigation, the stewards um, who accepted this appeal, they, they found out that the number 99 followed all of the instructions given to it by race control and that there had been a sort of communications mix up because the exchanges on this uh, communal app uh, that the teams and the officials use, they all started on a private area of that app so that the sort of public, the, the, the public notification from the stewards that the panel had been repaired was, sort of didn't fall in line with, with other private discussions that we haven't read because they were private. Um, so the stewards deemed it impossible to follow up on this appeal. So it currently seems that the results will stand and that Herbert will be declared the champion. However, we're yet to have an official race result back. So that's just something we'll have to keep in mind. Either way, it doesn't affect the direction of the Le Mans automatic invites um, because GPX and Herbert finished first and second. It would just trying to determine which order um, and Rinaldi Racing and Optima Motorsport take the other two slots from McLaren with their uh, Ferrari and McLaren machinery. So, um, yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of drama even after the chequered flag had finished. But um, either way, those two Porsche teams were strong no matter which one um, ends up being declared the champion. Yeah, for sure. And and looking at the championship as a whole, a very condensed schedule, four races over eight days with two different tracks in the same country. Uh, would you did, would you deem this a, a successful uh, uh, season? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with with the way in which it was run. You think about it, putting on putting on a season anyway is is a tall order, but to do it against travel restrictions and and all sorts of complications, four races within an eight-day period, and, and to get the kind of grid that the Asian Le Mans series mustered for this was very impressive, and uh, hats go off to the organisation there. Um, it was a hugely successful season on, on that part, and, and the racing, you know, it, it was some of the best I think we'd seen in the Asian Le Mans series, and, and, it, and it can only be a good thing for the championship. I, I think I think the series can can probably look back on this as its most successful season to date. But on the other hand, you've got to think that the priority will be to ensure that the series can have stability in its core market, which is East Asia, um, so that when the competition does return to that region, it, it doesn't go back to square one in terms of participation. I remember the series in 2014-15 had very low grids. It was struggling. The change of hands in, own, in, uh, in sort of organisation of the series with the ACO um, getting involved and it doesn't want to go back to that I, and and obviously the most important thing is presence in the region that you're trying to attract entries for so here's hoping that the the pandemic situation the evolving you know covid infection rates travel restrictions will enable us to go back to east asia for the asian le mans series um because the series was gaining momentum in 2019-20 and, and hopefully the losses of it being absent from its core market for two years can be mitigated as much as possible. Um, that said, the pandemic has hit East Asian international travel particularly hard. It's been okay for domestic competitions like Super GT, Super Formula, but the international competitions have found it really difficult, which asks the short-term question of, will we see the Gulf region returning to the fray in the short term? While I would say it's unlikely that you can integrate that region into a season with East Asia, I think the cost would be too great for teams traveling all across such a huge landmass. The series knows it can get a strong grid with this format of racing in the Gulf. So definitely some questions to, to look at in the future there of how this 
type of format can be uh, used by the series in the long term. Me personally, I, I hope it doesn't just morph into a, a winter European Le Mans series. It did have a little bit of that feel with all of the known European GT outfits there and, and the teams taking part. I'd like to see more of the uh, sort of homegrown Asian talent that, that was unable to travel um, for various reasons and, and had plans scuppered. Because um, I think Asia needs a series like this. Uh, the Asian Le Mans series can be a great asset, not just to that market, but also to the 24 hours of Le Mans. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a very interesting experience. And no doubt the series has got lots of things to look at for the future and how it um, maintains itself as a sustainable championship. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you for sure. So that's it for the recap from Asian Le Mans. Um, you could check out all of Dan's reports at sportscar365.com. Um, between the the two races at Yas Marina, um, the opening two races of the season at in uh, the Dubai Autodrome and more, it's all there on the website. So news of the week, and I think we would start off with perhaps the biggest news um, coming out of the European scene from an American entrant. Corvette Racing is re- reportedly preparing a, an effort to compete in the opening two rounds of the FIA World Endurance Championship at Portimao and Spa, as it stands today. Um, the team's preparing, we understand, one Corvette C8R. Um, the driver lineup is still a bit undetermined, I, I believe, or still hasn't been officially announced. Um, no official word from the team either on this effort, but we do know uh, this has been sort of, uh, the team's had a history of running races um, prior to the 24 Hours of Le Mans. It's more or less a, a prerequisite for their entries into the French Endurance Classic. Um, Dan, what are your, your thoughts on this? And obviously, if this comes to fruition, it would be Corvette's um, first time taking part in um, the European races outside of the outside of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yeah, it, it, of course, we were expected to see the Corvette C8R race at Le Mans for the first time last year, but its uh, debut in that race was scuppered by the COVID pandemic and associated travel and, and calendar complications. Um, so it, ma- it makes total sense for the team to do these European races as, as a prerequisite and, and to give a chance for, for some balance of performance um, sort of research by, by the uh, World Endurance Championship to just make sure that the car um, fits, fits in really with, with what their expectations are. Obviously, it did race in the WEC once at Circuit of the Americas um, 12 months ago um, to, to the date almost when, when it made its, its work debut. Um, so obviously a lot of time and data has passed since then. They've done a full season of running in IMSA. So uh, it, it, it would be it would make sense for Corvette to come back and do a, do a couple of races before heading to Le Mans. Um, it would be great to see. Obviously, the GTE Pro Grid has, has taken a hit with the loss of Aston Martin's factory team. Um, so it, it, it can't hurt, can it, having another car in the mix? And uh, hopefully we'll get to see an interesting driver lineup. Well, obviously, when, when it did the, the Cota race, uh, Corvette brought Jan Magnussen back into, into the lineup after his uh, much-publicised departure from the team. So um, who knows? Maybe maybe there's another chance to see a, a former Corvette driver um, hitting the road with the team again. Um, who knows? It's all yet to be confirmed officially, but um, that's definitely one that we're, we're keeping a close eye on as the as the days and weeks tick down to Portimao. Yeah, and as as it stands now, Portimao is still scheduled to be the season opener. We've heard rumors and talk of, you know, questions, I think, surrounding the start of the European season. And one of the other um, European-based championships has already made a change to its start of the 
of its 2021 campaign with um, the Fanatic GT World Challenge Europe, uh, powered by AWS official test at Paul Ricard being postponed by a few weeks. Yeah, uh, two weeks uh, later than planned, the preseason test will take place. Uh, it, it, it seems to be it seems to be a decision just just to give the teams a bit more time and it's it's a it's a busy time to be honest i would imagine for paul ricard so um impressive that they've managed to find a slot there but uh yeah i, I suppose some lessons probably learned from last year as well um when the the pre-season test took place sort of right at the heart of of the the first wave of cases in europe and some teams like uh, capax racing from america decided not to make the trip over fff also withdrew um, so definitely just a bit of management there and, and perhaps bringing it into towards the, you know, two weeks closer towards the summer can, can only be a good thing in terms of cases projected to be going down in, in, in the next few weeks, as they have been doing in many European countries. It, it, it makes sense from that perspective. Um, entries to that series closed uh, over the weekend, just gone. So um, we should be hearing more info very soon about the full season entry lists um having spoken to stefan rattel recently he seems pretty confident that most of the regular sort of pro uh, pro level teams will be continuing um although it'll be interesting to see how how the uh, sprint grid in particular shapes up with with teams obviously looking at new uh, championships such as the dtm um springing up so uh, yeah that, that that's uh, perhaps not too much of a surprise and not too much of a change because the first race of the season is still due to take place at uh, Monza later in April, but um, yeah, it just just gives the teams a bit more time. They have been doing some uh, private testing of their own over the last few weeks. Barcelona has been a very busy place for the World Challenge contingent, so um, yeah, it, it's uh, it seems to be a, a measure that SRO will have taken with the teams, and uh, I'm sure they're they're all pretty comfortable with that decision. Yeah, and another interesting thing to come from your conversation with Stefan Dan is the the fact that the pit stop regulations have been tweaked for this coming season and that refueling and tire changes will be performed at, simultaneously uh, for the first time in over a year. Yes, so uh, I suppose the regulations are now a bit of a hybrid between what we had in 2019 and 2020. Um, so yeah, team, teams will be able to change tires and refuel at the same time, which takes away one of the competitive elements that we saw in pit stops last year. Um, so for the 2020 season, GT World Challenge Europe um, decided to, to let teams change their tyres separately um, from fuel. So that essentially made it a bit of a, a race in the pits between the tyre change crews, which um, is, uh, you know, it's, it's always an interesting thing to have that extra bit of uh, competition there um, for the mechanics to, to strive against each other for. But at the same time, um, this decision to bring them back together seems to have been made on a, a cost analysis. It, it got quite expensive for teams by the sounds of it, having spoken to a few team principals, um, basically training up crews, spending more time and resources on developing these crews to be quick at tyre changes, which is where you know a position or two could be lost over the course of a stint. Um, so I, it's all part of uh, the SRO's plan to, to ensure costs in GT3 racing are as low as possible. Um, and speaking to one team principal, they, they seem to think that, OK, while it's always nice to have a contest on the pit lane and, and while they did you know, spend quite a lot of resources and time on, on training up their pit crew, at the same time in these SRO races, particularly the 24 hours of Spa, losing one or two positions in the pits in a long race 
it's fairly negligible in terms in terms of when it competes against the overall result because so often you see safety cars and 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 other other measures like that containing the field and and creating these sprints to the finish particularly what we saw um at spa last year um might might see more of an impact of this in a three-hour race where perhaps a position could have been gained or lost by a pit crew fumbling a wheel or something like that um now that's a bit less likely however it's not like cars are going to be sat on the pit lane for for ages after their tire changes are completed um tire changes generally only just fit in within the refueling window and some cars might even still be changing tires whilst refueling in accordance with the minimum refueling time so um yeah it's just a a, a little thing that teams will have to uh, adjust to it was an overwhelming majority in a, a team's vote according to Rattel. um so yeah that's how we're moving on this season and uh, more regulation details should be coming out soon uh full document yet to be published but as i said uh, g2 world challenge europe details are forthcoming and finally we've had some news on some driver lineups for the series um jules gunan and daniel Junkadela returning to aka asp and also dynamic has set its driver lineup in with one of its porsches two strong crews and uh, aka asp have been uh, such a strong force in World Challenge Europe over recent years, uh, particularly known now for their partnership with uh, Mercedes-AMG factory driver Raffaele Marciello, the rapid Italian who's been pretty much a headline driver, I think, for, for the AMG uh, manufacturer brand. And uh, now he's joined by Jules Gounon and Daniel Juncadea for those endurance races. Three factory drivers in a lineup. Gounon and Juncadea were obviously uh, new signings to Mercedes AMG, uh, although both of them have driven for Acura ASP before in full season capacity. So a bit of a reunion going on there. I think it's a strengthened lineup, to be honest, from last year. Um, the team was running with uh, Marciello, the, the very quick Felipe Fraga, and also Timo Bogoslavski, who is the overall World Challenge Europe champion. But I just think tying in two more factory drivers alongside Marciello is only going to be um, a, a strengthener for that team that's already strong. And as you said, John, Dynamic has said its driver lineup. The team's back for a third season with Porsche in the pro ranks. Klaus Backler, who, who I've always considered to be quite an underrated driver of Porsche GT3 machinery, um, will be driving alongside the retained Matteo Cairoli and Christian Engelhart, who's the reigning GT Masters champion. Um, Dynamic were, were high flyers in the Endurance Cup last year, and we can expect them to be doing the same again, I think, with that sort of lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, we have some driver lineup news on the on the American side of GT World Challenge as well, with Reardon Racing confirming Jeff Burton and Vesco Kozarov in their Lamborghini Huracan GT3. Um, this comes after the publishing of the initial entry list for the Sonoma season opener, which had the team with, with a Lamborghini in the series. Um, interesting to see that team step up to to top-level GT3 competition. It's one of several uh, SRO America teams to make the move. So excited to see it, excited to see those prospects as well when that season kicks off at Sonoma in just a few weeks' time. Finally, we'll be answering a few of the questions that came in um, via the Ask Double Stint uh, hashtag or leaving a question at the bottom of the article on SportsCard 365. Um, first one comes from Robert jo Joseph Coxie. He says, looking forward to the future with the elimination, looking to the future of the elimination of GTLM and IMSA, how will this affect Corvette racing and the development of future Corvette road cars? Can GM develop a Corvette as a GT3 car as they have in the past? And is it possible that they go racing full time in WEC to continue 
with the GTE program to be able to justify the development of the car. He says it'll be interesting to see what Pratt & Miller does now that it's been sold and what it looks like on the racing side of things um, this year. He hates to think this, but this may be, he thinks it may be the last year of Corvette racing and GT cars. Um, I have to disagree with you um, respectively, Robert, on the, the fact that he th- that this may not this may be the final year of Corvette in GT. I don't think that's the case. Um, I believe they are fully preparing a GT3 car for the 2021 WeatherTech Championship season. I don't think um, anything with Pratt & Miller being sold has anything to do with this. This is a private company that has been commissioned by GM to um, to work on their uh, side of of, of racing programs and that includes the the corvette racing program i don't think we're going to see any changes at least for the the next few years on on that side in regards to um developing uh development of future road cars and how this affects things i don't think it does in any way the gt3 regulations especially for 2022 have been tightened up um, to more of a technical specification similar to gte as we see today so I think there's still a lot of development overlap um, from the road to the street and vice versa. And as we've seen with the the hordes of GT3 manufacturers that are participating in that platform already. And then to answer your question about whether um, Corvette can continue with the GTE spec car in the WEC, um, we're obviously seeing that right now with the first couple, most likely of them confirming the program for the first couple WEC races this year, whether they continue that into next year. um, I think that's a strong possibility. Um, The car's already been built. It's been developed. I don't think there's that much running costs involved to keep that car going, um, even if it it won't be eligible in the U.S. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense as whether they'll be able to do a full WEC program. Dan, I I don't know about that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think at the moment where the WEC, as as things currently stand at time of recording, um, is is still using gte machinery and and as things stand still planning to use it in in the future it just makes sense for corvette to keep the gte option there um purely to to compete in in one of its big ones which is the 24 hours of le mans um you know if if you've got a gt3 car you can't race in 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 that competition currently um and and i think corvette loves Le Mans too much to to say goodbye to it in 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 such a drastic way and and I think it can always benefit from running there and trying to win there it's 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 part of the furniture really the team so um yeah my my hope and my belief would be that that Corvette would want to continue running um the GTE car or, or keeping it um technically available to to Pratt and Miller and to, and to the to the engineers to enable it to run there um Having said that, obviously a huge focus will be on will be on GT3 variants if that's the direction they end up um, needing to go in with with IMSA's adoption of GTD Pro. Um, so it, it could be quite an interesting little dynamic there with how they balance uh, two programs of that 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 sort. But um, I think Corvette's got plenty of time to figure this out, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it over the summer um, as the team looks to where it's where it wants to be running and, and what its relationship with Le Mans will be in the future. I tend to think that it will not put Le Mans in, in, into the side draw too quickly. I, I think it's a race that, that Corvette um, feels it needs to be at still. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I, I don't think a full season program is in the cards, at least not right now. Um, but for sure, you know, doing a, a handful of races to, to gather the BOP to make the ACO happy and, and everything in the build up to the French Endurance Classic makes a lot of sense. So I think we, we, we will probably see a dual program between the GTLM GTE spec car and the GT3 next year, but still remains to be seen, still remains to be officially announced. But um, thank you very much for the question, Robert. And uh, we have one final uh, question. Actually, it's a comment from Johnny Hawksworth one using the ask, ask double stint hashtag on Twitter. Um, he basically says, looking ahead at the IMSA schedule, if the Canadian um, U.S. border remains an issue, how about we replace CTMP with a two-hour, 40-minute race at Watkins Glen using the short course minus the boot? Um, he says it makes sense as the cars and teams are already there. The Glen and CTMP races were already scheduled for back-to-back -back weeks already. Maybe this could entice BMW uh, Team RLL to stick around for one or two more races if that happens. Um, Really good observation, really good suggestion, Johnny. Um, I, I think that would make a lot of sense, uh, especially, you know, as you said, the time frame, you know, is CTMP is a week after Watkins Glen. You changed the format around a little bit with a different um, course configuration. Sports cars have used the short course in the past with Grand Dam uh, when Grand Dam raced on the NASCAR weekends at Watkins Glen, so it wouldn't be a precedent in any way. It would actually... Um, make a lot of sense actually so thanks for the suggestion maybe some folks at IMSA are listening to this podcast and might be able to uh, put that into the suggestion box if they're looking for uh, a potential replacement for CTMP as we know um, the border restrictions are making it very difficult um, we understand the SRO America race that was scheduled for May is unlikely to go ahead um, based on some intel we've received in recent weeks so I think um, that's in May the IMSA races in July, there's still some time there to maybe hopefully make it happen. But um, as it stands now, I think it does look a little bit uh, unlikely. So this could be a solution. Who knows? Um, remember, anybody wanting to uh, ask a question on the on the show can leave a question at the bottom of the article of our podcast post or use the Ask Doublestunt hashtag um, on Twitter. Well, that's it for our show this week. Um, no racing to preview this coming weekend. It's uh, going back into the uh, the bitter off season before we get some more racing to kick off the following week with the SRO America at Sonoma. But um, be sure to check back in for next week's show. I'm John. He's Dan. Thanks for tuning in.